Hey, what's up guys? Chad Hermanson here with Mental Edge Training Coach. Today I'll be chatting with Shane Monahan. Shane was a second round pick out of Clemson University in 1995 by the Seattle Mariners. Had a career with the Mariners in the big leagues. He's going to share his story, his up and down in the minor leagues to the major leagues, what he's doing now as he's coaching some teams. So we're going to hear from Shane Monahan today. So enjoy this conversation with him. Hey, welcome to the show, Shane. How's it going, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing awesome, man. Out here in Las Vegas, it's 105 degrees, sweating like crazy. You're, you're out down in South Carolina, correct? I'm in Bluffton, South Carolina, outside of Hilton Head, and it's 95 with about 87% humidity. Love it. Love it. Yeah, we, so Shane, Shane was drafted in the second round, 94. We were in the same draft. He was a stud coming out of Clemson as an outfielder. So I, I've been making it a point to get people on here that look just like me. With that. <laughs> we were, I told you before, I was looking at your baseball cards, getting some info, looking at your history, and I'm like, man, you had a luscious set of hair. And, you know, 20 plus years later, you know, this is what we're dealing with. So it's all good. Two kids and one in college, and <laughs> you're bald. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So tell us about kind of your your upbringing. You know, were you just a baseball player or did you you do a whole bunch of different sports growing up? Yeah. So I grew up, um, you know, I bounced around the country because my dad had played in the NHL for 12 years. Um, I come from a huge hockey family. My grandfather's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. My great grandfather's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, my dad played in the NHL. My uncle played in the NHL. So uh, you know, my dad was a solid NHL hockey player, but got traded around to a couple of different teams and we bounced. And then uh, my grandfather coached the Atlanta Flames, obviously, when they're in Atlanta. And that's kind of where we settled as a family. I was playing hockey. I mean, I was like seven years old playing against 10 year olds. And then when the Flames moved, uh, the rink shut down and I was kind of left with. I remember one year I didn't play any sports and my, my dad was trying, he was retiring and he was trying to figure out, I'm like, what's he going to do? Cause I was crazy. You know, I was, I was, that didn't change when we played, but um, I got into football. I got into, I was into hockey and then baseball just kind of happened by accident. I mean, I literally was sitting in the front yard with a kid. It was a buddy of mine in elementary school and he was throwing me the ball and I kept throwing it back to him and his dad was a coach and, I kept throwing it back to him harder. And he's like, do you play baseball? And I was like, no, sir, I play hockey and, and football. Cause I love the physical spot of, right. of that. And then um, he said, would you play? And I was like, sure. Just call my dad or mom and ask. I'll, I'll do it, whatever. I mean, and then that's how I started baseball. So yeah, I, I played multiple sports um, up until I had an injury in football, which was about 13, 14. I broke my wrist and I was like, man, I'm pretty good here. So you didn't play football or hockey at any age after in high school no. or anything like that? No, I was right at up to about freshman year in high school. I had decided I, I broke my wrist in the growth plate and it was all deformed. And I was like, you know what? So the doctor kind of scared me because he said that he's going to have to put a pin in there. And he didn't know at that time if I was going to be able to play sports again. And I was like, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'll just play baseball. <laughs> so, you, so you have an, a, a, quite a history of family members playing hockey. That makes a lot of sense, not knowing that prior to our call, knowing yeah how you were on the field. I, I always felt like you were a very aggressive player 
yeah. kind of definitely no like a no fear attitude type guy. Is that where that comes from? Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy, especially with the lineage you have in your house. Um, you know, my dad was a very quiet parent. He he would sit down the right field line. He didn't get involved in a whole lot, but you know, his rule was when you're playing, it's you you're wide open, like your hair's on fire. This is the last time you'll ever play. Um, and he just kind of from an early age, he just said, listen, if this is the first time someone's seen you play, you need to let them remember when they leave that park, you know, that they saw you play, whether, I mean, obviously, you know, you see a Ken Griffey Jr. And we know, oh my God, but <laughs> just, just growing up, I, I, was, I had so much passion for the game. I loved baseball. It was my life. Right. And just like it was your life. And I just, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, man, you, you had to fight to eat at the dinner table. You get, your dad was a NHL fighter and your mom was a professional figure skater and, you know, mediocrity was not accepted. And, uh, your grandfather's coming over every other day and he's a hall of famer. And, um, I just knew I had some skills. I mean, you know, you know, when you were younger, I didn't know, man, I was just playing, man. I just loved the game. I didn't know how good I was. Um, you know, I, and, and the way I played the game sometimes set me or ostracized me away from the younger, you know, the kids on my team. Cause I was, I was like, I wanted to win. Uh, and that just kind of fueled me. That's awesome. So when you, you kind of started going through your high school, you now you're just playing baseball. At what point did scouts start to take a look at you in high school? Yeah. So it was funny going into my junior year, I hadn't really heard, you know, my dad and I had a very candid conversation of like, look, I can't afford to send you to school. You can go down the road to Kennesaw state, which at the time was an NAIA school or heck, we were even talking about us. I was going in the army. Like I was going to join the Rangers or I was going to do some, you know, that was my mentality because we just didn't have the, the funds for them to, you know, I got a brother and a sister as well. And uh, dad was working for UPS and I played through East Cobb. So I was with the East Cobb Astros and one fall uh, we were in some small little tournament. We, it was the first time fall ball had really taken off in Georgia and mm -hmm. I had a huge weekend and it just so happened to be that my teammate, Ryan Ritter was, like really good and he played pro ball and a lot of guys were there to see him and next thing I know like that Monday or Tuesday I'm getting a ton of letters from colleges so really that fall of going into my junior year it like kind of happened for me um and and again playing at East Cobb with the Astros you're on the team with like a lot of really good players so schools were seen so you kind of got seen but going back to how I played that kind of put me on the map um and then it just came down to you know who was going to offer the most money or Mm -hmm. where I could step in and compete for a job. And what was your size when you graduated high school? So I graduated, I was right at 6'1". I was probably buck 75, buck 77 mm -hmm. when I left and went to Clemson my freshman year. And yeah. then when you, when you graduated, you probably put on a good, strong 25 pounds? I was 6'1". When I, when I got drafted, 95, I was 6'1", 215. Okay, so it was, it was, I just remember, I'm like, look at this dude. This dude, he looks like a fullback. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, so I went from, you know, there was a lot of talk in our weight room with our, with our coaches. You know, we want to put muscle on, but I didn't want to affect my speed. Yeah. Um, I think my freshman year, I ran a 6-6-60. And then my sophomore year, I was about a 6-4-2. Mm -hmm. And a pro day in my junior year, I ran a 6-3-1 and a 6-3-3. Yeah. My, my big concern was, was yes, I want to be strong, but I don't want to pack it on 
and have it affect my jumps in the outfield or be able to cover ground. And, um, yeah, so I left probably 210, 215 range. Mm-hmm. As, as we know, going through your minor league season, I mean, literally my first year, I went from the College World Series to Appleton, Wisconsin, home for two days to instructionally. By the time I got back, I was like 188. Yeah, just depleted, right? I mean, it just melted <laughs> me. Like, you know, college, I think the most you play in a regular season is maybe 50 games and then in playoffs. So I went from 75 games to like Appleton, which was another 30 games, to the instruction league, which, you know, they just they crush you. I was done. I couldn't even eat when I was in Arizona. It was hot. Yeah. I, mean, I, was, dude, what did, I was like, what did I do? Like, what? Is this, Bro, ball's this awesome. <laughs> And you were coming out of high school, right? You weren't you drafted out of high school, right? Yeah, so I didn't have that that whole – I went straight to rookie ball, you know, and, and that was yeah. my experience too. I got there and down in Bradenton, Florida, right? It's kind of my – I committed to Miami, so I had a, a slight taste of what Florida was like and, and then got down there and, what, early morning practices, come in for lunch, play your game, and, and you're just by, – by the time it's, what, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, by the time you're done, you're just like – I can't move. Like yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Right? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, so let's talk about, so you get, so scouts are starting to look at your high school, you know, during yeah. that time. And then you commit to Clemson at that point. Tell, walk us through what your college opportunity was like and, and yeah. what did college do for you? Yeah. So, you know, in my senior year, I mean, God, we had four or five kids on our team that could have been drafted out of high school. Our first six hitters were, all state players and all Americans across the country. So we were, we were really, really good and pro scouts were showing up and I ended up going in the 18th round to the Atlanta Braves, which was cool because it was in Atlanta. And I remember them announcing it over the, yeah. uh, you know, Ryan Ritter went, I think in the 10th or 11th round to Oakland and then they announced me. Um, but I had already committed to Clemson and I, and I knew mentally, you know, um, when I had played with you, I was always impressed with your your mentality and your approach. But me being 17, coming out of high school, I, I there was no way I was ready. I, I mean, you know, I hadn't been away from home. Um, I just wasn't in that mental frame. I needed to go to Clemson. So, um, you know, they had recruited me pretty heavy. Coach Leggett was, was amazing. Um, you know, I had walked on campus my freshman year and I mean, like a wide-eyed freshman, I had no idea what was going on. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Big you know, campus, campus, right? Yeah, you know, campus at Clemson, is it's it's compact. It's really not big. Okay. Um, like, all the surrounding areas are all the playing fields and stuff, and it looks enormous. But it, the campus itself is not that big. And you could get from east, east side to the west side probably about eight minutes. But, oh, wow. okay. um, you know, you're meeting all these baseball players, and our recruiting class had 16 kids in it. And, you know, all of a sudden, all the egos come out. Well, I'm the All-State Player of the Year from Pennsylvania, and I'm the All-State Player from from Georgia, and I'm the All-State Player, you know, State Player of the Year from. And you're just kind of. I just remember sitting in my. We lived in a duplex, so it's a it's a ranch style house, cut in the middle, two rooms on this side, two rooms on this side, four guys in each. And I remember just sitting back, and I was kind of sizing everybody up as I normally did, and I'm like, huh. And I remember my first thought was like, well, y'all boys didn't play in Georgia. Yeah. So, let me tell you something that you're going to learn. Like right. when we step you're going to learn how we do it down here. And um, some of my closest friends were, were those, were those guys. And, and, you know, through attrition, obviously that class after the freshman year whittled down to probably eight of us stayed. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of them transferred out and, 
Um, some were redshirted, but it was, you know, you go into your first meeting and Bill Wilhelm's your head coach and he's a legend. And, uh, you know, you're sitting around this big conference table and I'm looking around. I'm like, who's a senior? Who's competition? Who do I got? All-American center fielder just left named Kevin Northrup. Well, that's wide open. I'm a center fielder. And he's handing out numbers. And I'm like, well, I'm getting number 11. Um, well, they had already promised that number to a kid they had recruited from Portland. And I'm like, whoa, when I heard 11, I was like, wait a minute. They gave me the All-American's number. Wow. And I'm sitting at the conference table and all eyes. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, God. Like what like, just happened? They're like, that's Kevin Northrup's number. And I'm like, I got it. I got it. So, you know, thankfully for me, there was a senior there named Chad Phillips. And he was, man, he was awesome. He came up to me and he was like, you own that number. Like, you got to get it, right? And I was like, I got it. And truth be told, I, I struggled my freshman fall um, defensively. Okay. Like, all the new drills and the drop steps, and I just couldn't get the grasp because in high school, you don't really work on it. You're just athletic. Hey, yeah. man, fly ball, go catch it. Yeah. How you hard know, is it? Just go get hey, it. Look, there's, right? There's a cutoff guy. Just hit him. Okay. <laughs> Often we're doing drop steps. We're doing misreads. We're doing misdirection. And, you know, um, I, I was a lost soul, man. Like, I, I was calling my parents, and I was like, I, I've made a mistake. Like, I'm not – I can hit here all night. Like, I can hit falling out of bed, but I'm terrible defensively, Dad. Like, I thought I was good. Um, and I kid you not, coming back after the wintertime, the day before we played Auburn, they moved me to first base. Okay. I'd never played first base in my life. Which is much harder than it looks, right, when we watch the – when we watch Moneyball. <laughs> yeah, man, I have to tell you, I didn't realize everything that went into playing first base and angles and reads and understanding where you're supposed to be and, like, the dynamics of everything. But Coach Leggett took me on the backfield, and he had four big buckets of David Sunflower seed balls. And we were out there for a good two and a half hours taking ground balls with a new glove. He was showing me things. Um, and I kind of made a joke. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, because I had a good arm at the time. And I was like, well, I guess I'll have the best arm in the country at first base. Nobody will take third base on me. And they kind of, like, stared at me. And I was like, uh, too much? Right. Right. Too soon? Is this too <laughs> Right. Is this too soon? Like, and, um, you know, I only made one error my freshman year. Thank God. Like, um, you know, we had a good, good senior group. Um, we didn't play all that great, but I, I just I, I made an error and cost us a game at NC State, and I hated it. But college for me, man, it it helped me mature. Um, I, I got into a program where Coach Leggett was disciplined, and he had everything lined out by the minute. Um, so practice planning, you know, how to okay, I've got this class and this class and this class, so you got to figure out your schedule. Um, you know, even your eating schedule, your social life. Um, and then, you know, practices were a whole different level. Like it was, it was, you know, we had a really good high school team and, and my high school coach was an ex green beret and he didn't talk a lot, but we just knew how to play. Yeah. Also you get here and it is like, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, Oh my God, like it was rigid, but man, it turned you into a man quick. And then I got in that weight room. And I fell in love. Like I, I like, the ego portion of me, right? All of a sudden I start getting muscles in the chest and the, <laughs> the, the volleyball players here or some of the soccer girls start noticing you're like, yeah, dude, yeah. I got like, yeah, this is good. And our, our strength coaches were world-class, man. They were like, they had down to the point where we were getting Gatorade and hey, you got to drink so much water. And um, yeah, I came back my freshman for Christmas. My dad was like, my God, what happened? Like, heck. 
I mean, I was like, <laughs> I was like and I, at the time, I think I was like 190. I went from 177 to 190, and he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm jacked. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be 190 right now, by the way. <laughs> that was right. not so, yeah. That's so awesome. Was, I, I don't regret. I mean, obviously, I didn't make the money out of high school. I think they offered me like 35 grand. Mm-hmm. And it was a no-brainer for me. You know, Clemson Scholarship was $100,000, $120,000 over four years, and I only stayed three. So, uh it was a no-brainer. I knew I needed to mature. I knew I needed to be around better players. Um, I needed to learn the game. And, uh, man, I, I can't tell you how blessed I was. I mean, I had Jack Leggett, Tim Corbin, John Pulaski, Jim Schlossnagel, who are all four great college coaches on one staff. That's incredible. And I must have bugged them because I asked questions like you. I was like, hey, hey. And they were like, Shane, just hit the baseball. <laughs> we just need you to hit. So I'm interested on when you uh, you were moved to first base because you're thinking I, I'm the dude like I'm coming here I'm an outfielder this is I, I, this is what I do I, I think you probably agree going from the outfield to the infield is much harder than going from the infield to the outfield hundred percent hundred percent yeah so it's it's trying to learn all the intricacies of that so so you played your freshman year you were a first baseman I mean I got up until the ACC tournament and then they put me in right field. So I go from like regular season yeah. to hey, we got to win the ACC tournament to get in the regional, and you're going back out the right field. And I'm like, what? I haven't taken a fly ball in like five months. Like, what right. are you doing? I just got the hang of first base. And um, David Miller, who was the first round pick in '95 for the Indians, truth be told, and I, I'd never tell him this, but I mean, I've told him since, but he, he should have been our starting first baseman. Um, he could hit a little bit, you know. And I, I, maybe I could have probably DH'd that at the time because mm-hmm. um, he was way better than me defensively. And I know I was in the lineup for my bat. But at that point in time at the ACC, that's when he kind of stepped in. I moved out. And really kind of most of our freshmen had moved into that senior spot. We, we rolled and won, won the – you know, a senior hit a grand slam for us to win the championship. But mentally, A, I knew I could hit. And all I cared about was hitting anyway, and I was in the lineup. Yeah, I'm playing. If I could be serviceable at first base and not cause us to lose a lot of games, I, I, it's we're good. Right. We're good. Um, now, did you, move to, did you go to the outfield your sophomore year then? Yeah, so coming back in, Tim Corbin had been hired in, and the first thing he told me was, I, I don't care about all these drops. Down. I want you just to go get the baseball. Yeah. And that relieved a lot of stress for me, and then I got the footwork. Okay. Like Once he, once he did that, I was able to get the, the footwork and the reads and the – and I was teaching other guys on the team, and then I was able to read swings, and we were positioning. So I was playing center field, moving everybody. And just in that fall with him, like, I learned a million times more, right? I was, I was relaxed. I put up some good numbers, so the pressure, you know, to have another good year was there. But I was like, I've done it already. I could do it again. Hmm. You know, and it's just like you. You rock through high school, and you're the dude. And, hey, man, it's just another season. Let's go put up, you know, 400 and – hit our 20 bombs, and I, you don't know. You're just playing. Just playing, yeah. And yeah. you're just playing. I just wanted to grab the new Easton bat and let's go hit. <laughs> I don't care about So you mentioned you, you've always been able to hit. That's just been part of your – it's been somewhat yeah. natural for you. How has that come? What, what do you do in regards to getting yourself ready? Um, how do you approach hitting? Yeah, so from, from basically high school on, like my dad had a series of – I did the wrist rolls, right? So I had the, the broomstick and the wrist roll to get the big forearms because it ties into hockey with the wrist shot. 
I had the rice bucket for my elbows and my forearms until they would burn and I would grab rice. I had a tire that was cut in the middle so I could, I could get that, that stop pause and then snap through. Um, you know, my dad read an article one night in Sports Illustrated about Daryl Strawberry swinging a wood bat um, in a pool so that, that that was pushing against the wood and then the wood was soaking up heavy and you get that. And I started really doing that every day at 14 and my bat speed went through the roof, but my routine was simple. Like I watch all these hitting gurus, gurus talking about all this weird stuff and all these arguments on Twitter and I was even part of it. Dude, I, I'd set up a tee. I'd hit 30 balls to left, 30 balls to center, 30 balls to right, done. Let's go to front side flips. Uh, Coach Corners would come down front side flip me, throw light BP. And I was constantly working on staying inside, middle and middle away, because mm-hmm. I knew I could pull. I knew that was natural for me. So I, I, I would work on it every once in a while, but my focus was middle, middle away, staying, staying on. I always envisioned kind of a lefty slider, lefty curveball every time I took BP and even if they're a righty, because that was the pitch that gave me trouble. So my routine was really basic. I mean, it was T work, high T work. Uh, front side flips, you know, and I was a big believer in like, you know, I, I get kids to do lessons with me all the time. Well, I took 200 swings. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why don't we have 50 great hacks, quality, focused, take your time, see the pitch, vision the pitcher, and do 50 great hacks. It's just as good as doing 200 mediocre hacks. I narrowed that down. Yeah, on that note, if you were to sit and watch a kid take 200 swings without, you know, to say you're observing outside the, you know, you're kind of a fly on the wall, if you will. And you watch those 200 swings, you're like, dude, you just hit 100 of them at the top of the cage straight up in the air. So you're ingraining all these bad mechanics. What, I guess what we would consider bad mechanics now. <laughs> now we, we are the dinosaurs of this, of this game. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting. Cause it's, you know, people are trying to, and, you know, I talked to Jeff Fry, I've talked to different people and, and I watch, I observe, and I, I try not to hate on anybody in regards to what they're teaching. Uh, but I do think there is somewhat, some ways that you go is maybe some absolutes in a way, but also, yeah, yeah there are, maybe there are some guys that can hit a certain way, Sure. but this game's, this been, game's been going on a long time, you know, and, and you tell us to, what was your approach in regards to. You know, if, if we talked about that path, what would that be for you? My bad path is, is I wanted as quick as I could to get to the baseball and then stay through the baseball as long as I could. Okay. So, you know, the discussion is now, well, we got to get it back here on plane. And, you know, I, I have a dad on my, my 14-year-old team that I coach. He's my assistant. He's one of those guys like, no, I want to get the bat entered in the zone back here. And I'm like, you're done. You're done. Because if I, my bat gets back here and then it's sweepy, I want my hands coming forward with that bat and the bat's going to get in the zone naturally. And then you get your extension through the baseball, like Jeff Fry has been preaching this whole time on the Shegon movement, right? I mean, yeah. he's right. You know, the, I'm not going to say names, but the one guy that's teaching it, you know, Aaron Judge, my God, the guy's 6'7". He's right. already got leverage built in his swing. That works for him. Right. But for your average kid, you know, or, hey, you can hit like Barry Bonds, bro. Could you and I hit like Barry Bonds? No. Well, and that's the, that's the thing right there, too, is if – you probably have seen the the interview with A-Rod and Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds talked about just what you said. I want, you know, if he's left-handed, I want my front arm going right down to the ball. Yes. Take my hand to the ball. If my hand is going first, the bat's going to follow. So it's giving that illusion of the bat is somewhat laying back 
Right. Because my, hand, right. my hand's going forward. Think about Rafael Palmeiro, right? We were always amazed as players. I was always amazed. As, I always looked at lefties. I could care less about right-handed hitters. I was a lefty. Yeah. So I was constantly studying video with our video guys. Like, let me see Palmero swing. Because from the outfield, it looked like it was slow and it was, it was long. Now, he was in the zone. But it was – I mean, he had that little toe tap, but his hands were whoop. Oh, and then it was – Effortless, he, too. Yeah, he could <laughs> keep it through the zone. And I'm like, how, how do you – but he wasn't long. His hands were so short to the baseball. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. You know, that's just a natural thing that comes along. But I'm dumbfounded kind of where we're at now. Um, I've got a team down here. They've sent all their kids to me. I have fixed all of these PVC swings, and they are crushing the baseball now. And it's so rewarding to see, like, they've bought in. They understand it. We're just teaching. I mean, look, my lessons are easy, man. It's T-work, front side flips. You get 180 swings. I want you to get exhausted because I want you to learn how to fight through when I'm tired. Yeah. And I'm in the third game of the day, and I'm exhausted. How do I not give this A-B away? And that's what we talk about, a lot of the mental approach. You can have a great swing and terrible approach, and you're going to be a terrible hitter. Swing does not dictate how you hit. You've got to have some type of mental approach and approach to the game, to hitting. So, so let's talk about that. So you've now, you've now started your own club teams, you're an organization. You're doing yep. lessons with kids. So you've had players. What age group are you doing? So we've got teams um, right now 10, 13, and 14. And then, like, next year we'll be 10 through 15. Okay, so you're you're seeing players come to you with these swings that they're being taught to get that barrel back behind them and essentially up through the ball, right? Which that which that probably happens, right? As if it's out front, but that the part of getting it behind you, you're seeing that now with those kids that are yeah. coming to you. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and are are the are the dads all buying into that as well? Like, what's going on there? No, it's kind of funny because. Like in the fall, they, they adopt this new hitting philosophy and, and Johnny goes out and he goes over fall and his dad's like beside himself. And then they bring him to us and they're like, we don't understand. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm laughing. I'm like, where did you get this from? Oh, we were on a YouTube video. And I'm like, Dude, you can't teach hitting off a video. You look at video to break down certain aspects of a swing or certain things. But I can't teach your kid to hit like Mike Trout. Right. I can teach your kid to hit like him. So we've got to look at, number one, how athletic is the kid? How strong is the kid? Like, what, what does the swing look like? So I, I always use 10 to 15 swings off a tee, and I kind of analyze it. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So we're <laughs> talking 10, 11, and 12-year-olds. We're talking about seeing the baseball, okay, um, making sure at that point in time, we'll look, there's going to be fastballs being hit, but let's get a good pitch to hit. Mm -hmm. Let's get it out in front of the plate. Like, let's hit that fastball out in front of the plate. Let's not wait till it's back here. You're done. Get it. Get the barrel going forward. So it's very simplified for them. At 13, we start talking about approach. Yeah. We start talking about that. Hey, what do you hit well? What do you not hit well? Well, I don't like the inside pitch. Well, don't swing at the inside pitch until you get too <laughs> But Let's look middle, middle away. So what do you need to be able to accomplish that? Then my next question is, well, how many 13-year-olds do you know that can locate in and out, in and out, 14, in and out? Your better players are able to locate. So – we've got to start taking things away. And I'm just big on teaching. Like I was always taught your AB starts in the dugout. Yeah. I'm watching the pitcher. I want to know curveball, fastball, changeup. What does he throw for strikes? What did he throw in warmups? If he kept bouncing his curveball, I'm down to two pitches. 
his changeup's not all that great. Now he's a one-pitch pony. He's in trouble. He's yeah. in trouble. Um, and then all I need to worry about is velocity. What does it look like? So that's what we're starting to teach these kids. And um, it's kind of refreshing to hear other teams or other teams' philosophies. And then we go and play. And, you know, look, I'll brag on my kids. They mash. My kids hit. And it's old school. Right. And they're like, what are you – other teams are like, what are you teaching your 10-year-olds? And I'm like, they're advanced. We're already talking approach. Yeah. Staying inside the baseball, driving it to opposite field. We're, we're teaching that already because we want them by the time they're 13. We don't have to babysit. You've already got an idea. Um, so when other coaches are coming over and they're like, dude, what do you, you know, we're teaching them baseball. You know, we're not teaching them to hit bombs on a 200-foot fence because they can do it. Right. By the time you're 13, little Charlie can't hit it out of the infield. So um, it's kind of the way, it's just a simplified approach, man. It's just when yeah. I talk to Don Olerud or I talk to Edgar or I talk to Tony Gwynn about approach, it's just the nuggets that I took. You just simplify it. Lead with the knob. Finish strong with your top hand, right? Stay through the baseball and get a good pitch to hit. Mm-hmm. Why make it more difficult than that, right? <laughs> I mean, you and I play, and I always be like, oh, my God, I'm watching video. I got to break that. And then I find out, I'm like, I'm just going back to keep it simple, stupid. I'm not that yeah. smart. Of you. Yeah, I was, hit ball. I was. I was. I was. I wasn't really a big video guy. Um, yeah. I felt like I had too many other things <laughs> going on through my mind. I'm like, if I need to start worrying about my, you know, when I did start worrying about my swing, that's when I got in big trouble, right? Yeah. When I, when I got, had all this interference going on in my mind. You had a very simple approach when I watched you, even playing against you through the minor leagues and we became teammates. I was always impressed about how simple you just kept the approach. You were quiet. You always seemed like you loaded on time. You know, um, you didn't really ever get to your front side super hard. It was just quiet. And then you could get the bat through the zone um, and you had juice. And it was like, dude, that's a simple approach. I didn't really use video until I got to the big leagues. And I went through a rough stretch. I mean, I started off on fire. And then I went through a little rough stretch. And Carl, I just said, can you pull up some ABs where I was going good as compared to where I was going bad? And I was able to identify without asking anybody like 10 seconds. I'm like, okay, I need to go back to that. What, what did you see? Give us an example of that. I started getting, I started, my hand started coming away from my body first. When I was good was where I'd be here, I would load and then I was in the zone. Mm-hmm. Times I'd get sweepy and I'd start to, my hands would walk away from my body. I'd get out here and man, I, I mean, the, the John Burkett's of the world, the, the smart cutter guys, yeah. they were lunch. I was coming back to dugout going, this guy's throwing 85 miles an hour, <laughs> 42 years old. And you know, the guys on the bench were laughing at me. They're like, bro, they, he does this to everybody. And I'm like, <laughs> awful. I mean, I yeah. just, yeah. Those are the guys you walk away. You're like, how am I not hitting it? Jamie Moyer carved yeah. people. It was the best thing playing the outfield with him. I was like, watch this, watch how many helmets get thrown or bats get broken. I got to That's awesome. So now you, if we go move on to your draft, you get drafted by the Mariners, right? Yep. You draft your, you go in the second round, you started, you, you get in a pro ball right away. You realize, man, this is, I'm exhausted. I'm going through these things. Um, you, you get through the minor leagues fairly quickly. Tell us about your minor league experience. Yeah. So uh, played for a great manager for about three weeks in the Midwest league. Mike Goff um, really opened my eyes about how pro baseball goes. I mean, I was Johnny college raw, raw guy. I was taking infield like it was my first day ever. And these four <laughs> guys have been out there for 120 something games. And they're like, Hey dude, slow down. I was like, let's go boys. Let's go. And they were like, bro, 
How many um, greenies did you just take, right? <laughs> I didn't even know about those yet. So um, <laughs> if I would have taken them then, my God, I would have exploded. But yeah. um, go to Instructional League, and then I'm dragging, right? We're playing the Dodgers every day. Like, we're sharing. Oh, my yeah. God. I came home, and I realized, man, I, I need to get in the weight room something fierce. I got to put all this weight back on. I got to get strength. Um, went to big league camp and I was getting like mop up duty. Right. I'm here. I am. I'm like, dude, I'm at big league camp. I should be starting. Like I'm thinking in my mind, like I'm getting four ABs a game. Then I was like, Monahan hit and it's Trevor Hoffman. I'm like, really? <laughs> hey, Monahan hit You're facing Troy Percival. I'm like, what? Yeah. And then I got sent to, um, high a ball in Lancaster, California, played for Dave Brundage, who I basically came up with him the rest of the time. And, you know, he was different than golfy. He was, he was quiet. He kind of let you play, and truth be told, I kind of struggled with it at first because I, I like those those tough. I like those guys that jumped on you a little bit. Yeah. You know, he was just kind of quiet. He let he. I mean, he let you play, and I I didn't know if he liked me or. I mean, I just knew I was in the lineup every day, and I uh, had a really good first year out. I think I hit two eighty eight, maybe two eighty one, somewhere in there. Fifteen bombs and a hundred RBIs, and I'm like, all right. I mean, yeah, I'll take okay. that. I'm in the Cal League. I did all right, and yeah. Um, came back again, went to, um, just worked out in the whole off season, did not get invited back to spring training. So that kind of made me mad. Mm. Um, went to double a, and I was blessed to have Brian Price as the pitching coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I had Dan Roan and then Brundy again, and, and Brian Price just opened my world to how pitchers think, what they look to do. And that helped me tremendously with lefties. Because I think the first two weeks in that Southern League, I was hitting like a buck 90. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going back to A-ball. Right. Brian Price started talking to me, and I started keeping a notebook. Because I read Albert Bell kept a notebook on all the pitchers he had faced. So I was writing all of Carolina's guys down. Benson, I mean, he was my teammate, right? Boom, yeah. boom, win. What did he throw me? And I'd go home, and I'd start studying it, and I'd start picking up on patterns. The Oakland A's throw this way. The Pirates throw it this way. Um, and again, I think I hit 303, 305, somewhere in that range with 12 bombs. And I got promoted to triple a, went up there and hit another four home runs. So I had a really good year and hit 300 for the year. Um, invited back to spring training. I did awesome in spring training. Like I thought, man, I'm gonna make the team. This is great. Right. I had no idea about the, the option rules and the three options and dude, I'm gonna make the team. And I get sent down. I'm like, and I got put on the 40-man roster going into that year, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm going down, like, shocked. Um, and, you know, I just wasn't – looking back my career, I wish I would have handled some things differently. That was one of them. Hmm. Like, go down, do your work, get prepared, be ready. I just kind of was, like, sour for three yeah, weeks. You get upset, right. You know, I mean, because I, I, I hit better than all the other guys. Um, you know, and I played for Lou Pinello, who loved his veterans. Glenn Allen Hill had come in. You know, he was terrible defensively, but God, I mean, he had a ball farther than Mark McGuire every time. Yeah. Um, so I played for the first half, and I mean, I think I hit 250. And then I get called up. And I'm like, oh. And then we roll. Like, we, we, I mean, for the first two and a half months, I think I was hitting over 400. So. Um, Where are you playing? What position? Oh, left field. Like, there was no. <laughs> And, and explain explain why why are you playing left field? Who's who's the guy? The guy in center field named uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and a guy <laughs> in right field was a Gold Glover named Jay Buhner. 
And uh, I think I was the 58th left fielder to play with Junior. And they were like, finally, we got a guy. Yeah. Can play defense. He's going to be the dude. And number two on my list, I wish I would have never listened to all the outside interference because I was like, I'm here. Like, I'm set. Like, I'm, the Mariners love me. I'm going to be the left fielder every day for the next 10 years, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Go back to spring training. He got John Mayberry, Matt Mieske, Butch Husky. And I'm like, what? Like, you're not allowed to bring in any other outfielders, right? Yeah, like I just hit 250 as a rookie, man. Like, I just hung <laughs> Like, you know, and I was hitting, like, 320 going in the final month of the season. Like, really? So, yeah. again, that mental uh, – I, I just would have just been a little more patient, you know, um, let things kind of kind of play themselves out and, and just, just go about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you went to the minor leagues are a grind, man. Yeah. Yeah, so so you're you're playing with my favorite player growing up, Ken Griffey Jr. Um, what was that like? Uh, it's like watching a cartoon character every day. The, the the things that that guy was able to do, I, I'll argue with anybody. I think he's the greatest player that ever stepped on the field. I, if he doesn't get hurt in Cincinnati, I mean Bonds is in second place. Yeah, to be honest with you now. Look, Barry Bonds was great. I watched Barry Bonds. I played against Barry Bonds. I got to sit and watch that dude for two and a half years in center field, get late jumps and run balls down like it was nothing, jump over the fence. Um, I remember one game I was leading off, and he was like, hey, just want to let you know, third pitch, I'm going off like upper deck. And I'm like, <laughs> who says that? I'm up to Bayrod, and he's, like, smiling. I'm like, is this guy serious? Like, I'm just worried to try to get on base. Yeah. I base, I get a base hit bunt. I get on. A-Rod moves me over. Third pitch, bang. Upper deck. And I'm like, this, this is from another <laughs> He could run. He had a cannon. I, and he didn't have a care in the world, man. That dude, no stress. He just played. Yeah, just that's played. what amazed me about him. Like, he's just the happiest kid in the world, right? Yeah, he didn't watch video. Like, he wasn't studying pitchers. It was just – I'm just – because we sat on the bench and you look at all these other players and you're like, well, he's not bad. He's average. He's average. He's average. Okay. Eh. And then you got this dude and you're like, this guy just yeah. walks up and plays. Then A-Rod was a preparer, right? He had video and notes. He was a prepare guy um, and study guy. Edgar. Edgar could tell you everything the guy was going to do, his little nuances with a glove, this. Um, I mean, Junior would show up like – Eight minutes before we're supposed to start spring training, he walk on the field, take his BP, hit 42 bombs, be like, see you in a week, boys. Yeah. We are like, he's <laughs> – okay, so my rookie, I'm like, he ain't going to shag. Like, he right. doesn't have to shag. <laughs> he just goes like, in the clubhouse? <laughs> <laughs> he walked out, got in his car, and went to the hotel. And Mike Timmons like, hey, young buck, just leave that be. I'm like yeah. – <laughs> Don't worry, I'll have balls, Griff. Griff. It's like 115 degrees, like – I go in the cage with A-Rod. We'd pick up balls together. I'm flipping to Ken Griffey Jr. He's like, all right, later. I'm like, you just hit 100 balls. But are you going to make me pick them up? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. You're going to pick my balls up, right? So pretty much I turn around. I was like, all right, I got you, yeah. Junior. But no, he was – it's a first ballot Hall of Fame. It should have been – it should have been – he should have been the first unanimous. I don't know who voted against him. But yeah. that guy or gal should have that revoked because yeah, they had no business being in baseball. Yeah, like he's a different planet, man. Like it's it's just a different planet. 
Yeah, it was so the, my first experience with him when we were in Double A. So I was in Double A '97. Were you in Double A '97? You and I were together. You, you, your first experience was at that All Star game. <clears throat> That's right. That's right. So that was the. I mean, so to kind of put it in perspective here, in the minor leagues, everybody plays an All Star game, right? But you're playing against your peers, your own players. This '97 All Star game, it was actually at my home field in Carolina. Yeah. And it was the All Stars versus the Seattle Mariners, right? Yeah. So, so I'm 19 years old. We're playing together, and except you're you're on the Mariners. So I made the Southern All Star team, and I was getting dressed with you guys. I took yes. BP with you guys. Yes. And they pulled me over. They they said, "Come come play with us." And we're like, "What's up with that?" Because I had moved to the outfield at this point, so we were going to be on the you know the same team. Yeah. But I, so I'm 19 years old. And we're playing against the Seattle Mariners. So it's, you know, I had a little bit of taste of big league time uh, in spring training. And I'm like, holy crap. I'm playing against Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner, I think Randy Johnson. You know, all, they're all there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and I got to meet A-Rod in the outfield. And I was shocked at how big he was. You know, his, his shoulders were this wide. I'm like, you're playing shortstop? You know, yeah. shock. Yeah. Um, so, so that's just amazing to be on that team in general. I mean, I, Edgar Martinez, one of the best right-handed hitters of all time. Um, I was so, I got to be honest with you, man. I was so disappointed to get pulled off the Southern League All-Stars. You wanted to play with um, us? Yeah, because yeah. like, I've gotten to know a lot of you guys, like Juan and Carcion, and I got close, and we had some really, you know, um, I think it was Damon Smith was there and Ben Greve was there and you were there and I was there and Chris Benson was there. And I was just joining being in the locker room with you guys and we were chopping it up and telling stories and like, Hey, what we're going through. And I remember the manager, I don't remember who the manager was. We walked over and he's like, Hey, you got to get up and go across. And I'm like, why? And then the whole way across the field, I'm like, well, dude, I was in the starting lineup over here. Right. Now you're not I'm playing. Hitting, right. I'm hitting like three hole over here, four hole or two hole. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even going to play over here. And I'm like, this ain't fair. And my mom had flown in. And then I get to the, I get in there, and they're like, you're hitting the two-hole. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, you're hitting the two-hole. And I'm like, uh, where am I playing? They're like, you're playing left field. Jose Cruz Jr. is sick. Then I was like, oh, my God. So I walk out, and I, I go find my mom. I'm like, mom, I got pulled over the Mariners. And she was – and she just – I mean, you know, her, her dad was a Hall of Famer. She goes, this is your time to show them tonight what you can do. And I was like, do you think they're going to call me up? She's like, I don't know. And that's, I mean, Chris Benson ate me up <laughs> as my teammate. And I hit a triple off the wall off of him. So let's go Chris Benson, for those, Chris Benson was the first overall pick. Yeah. 96. 96, yeah. 96. So came to us, came was the Pirates' first round pick. Yeah. Dane and Chris Benson played together. So you, you're buddies. Chris and I have known each other since we're 10. Yeah. So I've faced him. He has got me out year after year. I got a couple of hits in the inner squad. <laughs> so he's starting the game, and I'm like, really? Really? And Justin Tolles was the catcher. Yep. And Tolles goes, well, isn't this interesting? You guys know each other. And I'm like, I know he's going to throw me. And first pitch, he threw a changeup, and I smiled at him. I'm like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> My good buddy threw me a good old fastball alone in, and I hit it, and I remember getting to third base, and he looked at me, and he just went. And I was like, thanks, man. And I think I got another hit later on that game, and the Mariner guys were like, dude, keep playing. And I'm kind of sitting there like, uh, 
Yeah. Am I going up? Am I staying? <laughs> I got it. Yeah, because we don't, you don't know at that time, right? You're just like, do the, the manager, like if you were like, the managers want to watch me now play and like, we want to watch Monaghan get some at bats. You're like, dude, maybe this is it. This is the game. That's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. I got to show out. And then after the game, we had that barbecue. So I got to reconnect. That was, that was probably one of my most favorite experiences was like being in that clubhouse with all of you guys and getting to know all you guys. Cause yeah. you know, when we play, obviously I was competitive and I was out there to win. I wasn't, I wasn't going to be your friend, but kind of in a different setting, it was like, man, these guys are, you know, you may think this guy's a jerk, but you get to talk to him. You're like, this dude's a really good dude. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I mean, that's kind of where you and I met. And then like Ben Grieve, who never talked to anybody, he and I kind of yanking, I mean, we were polar opposites, but we got to talk. And I was like, man, I really enjoy this kid. He knows how to hit. Like, he knows hitting. Um, that was fun. That was fun. Was. Yeah, that was so, that's what was cool, so cool about Arizona Folly, you know, going there and you're playing totally. with prospects and yep. kind of getting to know each other. And, and what like, year did you play? Like, where, where, what year were you? Let's see. I, I went there three times. So, I went there in, I think, 97, 98, and then skipped a year. And it was like two, 2000 or something like that. It was 98 we played because I had played in the big leagues and they sent me. Who Were you with Scorpions, the Scottsdale team? No, I was. Uh, Solar Sox. Let's see. First year was the Mesa team. So and then the, the next two was the Maryvale team. That's where it was, the Maryvale team, because you put up some numbers. I was with the Javelinas, the Peoria. We were loaded. Yeah. Troy Gloss, Eric Chavez, J.D. Drew. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Some dudes there. Yeah. Some, I, I started thinking, I'm like, how much am I going to, I'm in the big leagues. Why am I here with all these? I'm like, how much am I going to play? Right. The biggest names in minor league baseball at the time. Right. Dan Rohn's like, dude, you're hitting third. I'm like, I'm doing what? <laughs> I'm hitting third in this lineup. I'm like, dude, are you okay? Right. Put yeah, me in the circle. I'm good. That's awesome. Yeah. That fall league was great. It's, you get a chance to see all the top guys and kind of, yeah. You know, where do I follow him with these guys? And, and the pitching's good. Agreed. It's where you stack up. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So, yeah, so you so you get to the big leagues. You're playing with Ken Griffey Jr., Jay Buehner, all these guys. Now, the Mariners, was that the only team that you were with in the big leagues? Yeah. Yep. And then, then you had, like myself, you had the up and down, triple A, oh. the big league experience, right? Yeah. Walk us through that. What was that like for you on the mental side? Um, it got really hard because you get a taste, you know, for two and a half years I'm there and you get a taste of what it's like and the travel and uh, even if you're not playing and of course the paychecks are super nice every two weeks and you're like, oh my God, this is almost like comical. And then you go back and you're back into a daily grind. Like you're getting up at 4 a.m., you're getting on a plane from Tacoma and you're flying across country to come play in Nashville. I'm like, who wants to do this? Yeah. Um, you know, and then it's it's it gets to the point where you get frustrated and like, you know, um, once I was done with the Mariners, I, I, it was a brief pit stop with the Padres, like super fast, um, you know, and then it, from the Padres, I get traded to the Reds, you know, and all of a sudden I'm going from AAA and now I'm in AA right before the All-Star break. And I'm like, what? What? At what age are you at this point? Um, golly, 98, 99, two, so 2000, so I'm probably – 27, 28. Okay. Creeping so up still, on creeping up on 30. Yeah, a little bit. So I'm still still can do everything I can. Yeah. Um, I'm in double A in Chattanooga and I'm like, okay, I've already hit three bills in, in Southern League. Like where we 
So I focused on it. I was like, all right, Chattanooga's a launch pad. I'm just going to pull, sit and spin and hit bombs as fast as I can. They throw it away. I'm pulling it over the choo-choo train in right field. I don't care. <laughs> um, and then right, like coming out of the all-star break, I tweaked a hamstring in Mobile. And I get a call up to AAA in Louisville. And I, I literally fly up there. And the all-star game had just been played. And like six of our guys aren't getting back in time. And uh, Dave Miley's like, hey, you ever play third base? And I'm like, yeah, I play third base. I never played third base in my life. Mm. I just wanted to be a new coach. I was like, oh, just put me in the lineup. Yeah. Thank God I went 4-4 four four and played great. And um, I think I hit like 325 with a couple bombs. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get a September call up. Like this is, you know, Brooks Kieschnick is there. Uh, there were some dudes there. Yeah. I never forget Robin Jennings got signed a week before the end of season came in and then he gets called up. And I was like, I just didn't understand the business of baseball. I was like, I just played 90% of a year, hit 325 with like 10 bombs, put up like good numbers. And like in a week, I just got passed over. Yeah. That's the business side of it. Just slapping in the face. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and then, you know, I realized, okay, like I'm not the top prospect. I'm not the Mariners dude. Once, you know, you leave the pirates, right. You're not, you're not their guy. You're somebody else's like fill in. And um, I struggled. Like I went to winter ball down in Wasabi, Sinaloa. And I think I'm the only player ever to be traded in winter ball um, in the Mexican league. <laughs> I was like, this guy's got to go. <laughs> I literally hit like a buck 70 the first two weeks. And next thing you know, I'm on Mazelon's team. And I'm like, this is a great trade up. I mean, I'm literally from here to my computer to the beach. So yeah. I'm calling my wife. I'm getting her down there. And um, Tim Johnson just said, hey, I remember you with the Mariners when I was with the, uh, the Blue Jays. I love the way you play. I wanted you on my team. And I was like, great. Put me in the two-hole. Played great. Signed back with the Reds. Go to camp. Do well. Three days before we break camp, uh, going back to Louisville, Deion Sanders decides to come out of retirement. <laughs> he comes in to camp. They send a guy down. I get released. And um, I remember literally running into Dion, and I was like, dude, this is a hobby to you. This is our life to some of us. Yeah. They yeah. kind of stickered, and I said, and by the way, you can't tackle for crap. <laughs> I was so hurt. Like, I was so upset and so hurt. Like, Dion had nothing to do with it. Like, yeah. yes, he came out of retirement. The guy's a bailier. I get it. But I was so hurt, you know, because I was there the whole spring training, right? We grinded. We got through it. And, um yeah, I, I went home to Arizona, and I had no idea what I was going to do. I ended up signing with the Solano Steelheads because uh, Paul Menhart, my buddy, was there, and Jason Brosnan was – some of the guys from the Mariners. I was like, man, I'm going to go play. Yeah. And, you know, I'm cleaning out double-wide bathrooms so that I have to pay rent. You know, I can take care of the locker room. And I'm like, yep. how, how does this happen two and a half years removed from the big leagues or two years? Like, how am I cleaning a double-wide toilets just to be able to play? Like, what? where am I? Um, and that's really, I, I kind of, that's where the men, mental side of it took its toll. Yeah. And then for called. So I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, and they sent me to, uh, Altoona mm -hmm. played for Dale Swain. Yeah. Another guy that was super quiet. And he basically was like, look, I know you're a veteran. I just need you to kind of babysit JR house. And now I'm like, Oh, now I'm bull Durham. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like, I'm done. Like, this is it. I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, so hit 295 there for a month, and then I got called up to you guys in Nashville, and it's like a month left. Marty Brown never played me. Oh, wow. I, got, I mean, uh, you were you were there, you were mashing, 
um, I think Ryan Redmanovich had ended up signing, and I was like, really? That's and right. Radman and I like crossed over everywhere. I'm like, really, Ryan? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm, I just remember coming in like the final game of, of Pittsburgh. I was like, I'm not playing. I went and had like three strawberry daiquiris at TGI Fridays pregame. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm not going to play. I mean, you're in the outfield. Two other young dudes are in the outfield. I'm like, but I, I, I enjoyed that team. There was a bunch of good dudes on that team that were, were good guys, you know, and um, it was eye-opening. But after that season, I retired. Yeah. Um, I was done. Like, I was um, I was bitter. I didn't want to play anymore. Um, I got home. I had no idea what I was doing. I basically took a golf course job, picking yeah. up balls and a bag boy. Like, starting over, right? Get, get me away from the game, right? I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, and then um, – Guy comes off the golf course like, hey, man, you ever been in sales? And I'm like, nope. He's like, dude, you're in shape. And I was like, yep. And I ended up selling fitness equipment for six months mm -hmm. and was killing it. And then Kansas City called me like three days before spring training. <laughs> they said, we got a chance for you to make AAA. Worst case, you'll start in the outfield every game in AA. And this, we're going to pay like 10 grand. I'm like, sign. Yeah. And then I get home. And I'm like, grab the bucket of balls, grab the net, grab my bats. And my, you know, she's my ex now, but my wife's like, what's, what, what? I'm like, what's I, just that? I just signed with Kansas City. We got to, she's like, have, have you even run? And I was like, nah, nah, I'm okay, we're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm back hitting balls. Like, come on, come on, feed me, feed me, feed me. <laughs> I had a great spring training. I did nothing, nothing. I had a great That's spring amazing. training. And then um, Lockheed Dent was the manager. Kevin Long was the hitting coach at AAA. And they just said, hey, man, you're going to go to double A. And I played for a guy named Keith Bodie, who was like, he was my guy. Like he was yeah. tense. And I knew I was, this is the last journey. I met guys like Chan Perry down there. They were great guys. So you're, we, you're in the mindset right now of this could, like, I was already in the mindset I'm done, but now I got another chance, but I'm just going to go play and have fun. I'm just going to go back to when I was 12 years old. I'm yeah. going to show up field. And I think I hit 310 with like 12 bombs and like 80 RBIs. Hmm. And then I, I, I tore my knee. Um, three weeks left in the season. Mm. So I started rehabbing and um, then it kind of crept in. I'm like, well, I'm not going to rush to come back and play double A playoffs. When I just put up huge numbers, I was a Texas league all-star. I could sign. Um, so that's what I did. And then I went home, my son was born. So I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah. And um, I was an instructional league. My little brother had been drafted by the Cubs. He's, he's an instructional league with the Cubbies in Mesa and, my dad and I are at the local Hooters having some beers. And uh, I think his name was Mark Newman from the Yankees said, Hey, you had a hell of a year. We're going to sign you on um, first day of free agency. And I had a couple cold pops and I was like, whatever. You're the Yankees. Why would you want me? He was like, no, no. My dad's like, we'll be glad to take that phone call. Shut right. Up. <laughs> and then, and then it was just, it, it literally fell apart from now. Like I, I got a sty in this eye and it, it was terrible. It was probably the worst experience I ever had. I love the Yankees, but, um, I was done. I got released. Yeah. Played two weeks under Mitch Williams up in the independent league, and I hung him on. I drove home. It's interesting how we all have that, that if, if we weren't like this stud big leaguer five, ten years in the big leagues, how we go through that route, um, just trying to get that free agent signing every year. Like we get to that point, right? And yeah. then, then it doesn't work out, or it does, and then there's just no spot or no room because you're a little bit older now. And then you, you, you go in that lat. Well, I think I got one more. I'm going to go play independent ball. 
right? And I played independent ball one year, and I, I had a blast. It, it was so fun. Um, but you're like, it's such a long track in ways to get back, to even to go to AAA. Yeah, very much so. I, I got to the point where it wasn't even free agency. It was just getting insurance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like, how much are you offering? They're like nine grand. I'm like, done. When does insurance start? Because I had the kids. Right. Um, you know, Jeff Ball was my roommate in the last independent league stop, and I had known him for my whole minor league career, and we had fun. And my little girl got on the phone. She's like, Daddy, I want you to come home. And I was like, that's all I need to hear. I'm done. Like, I, I need to go home. And then, uh, like, what do what am I going to do? So, uh, family connection to Home Depot. Oh, crap. You know, just what does it look like after baseball, right? Like, yeah. starting your life, like, what, what am I going to do? And, man, I struggled. Like, I, I – I, the Yankees offered me to stay on as a player coach in Tampa, and I was like, no, I can still play. Like, I, I – yeah, you're not there yet, right? And then, and then, you know, you go into, listen, I've got babies at home. I don't want to get back on a bus as a manager and miss them growing up for, like, what, the trek to the big leagues? I've already done that as a player. It's twice as hard as a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, family friend calls and says, hey, listen, I can get you a job at Home Depot. And I'm like, whatever, all right. right. I'll go swap shells for 12 bucks. You know, nothing wrong there. But I end up getting a manager position, and I, I transition, and then I – I took on my, my corporate career like I was playing baseball. Like, okay, here's my goals that I want to be. But, um, yeah, man, I struggled. I, I watched a special on Roy Holiday the other night. Uh, I was in tears. Yeah. Like, people don't understand when the lights go out, who are we? It's a struggle. I mean, it's, it's some guys handle it better. I mean, look, if you and I play in the big leagues for 11 years and we've made $28 million, uh, that's a pretty easy transition. <laughs> I'm playing golf. Hopefully you're good. You should be fine, right? Wise with my money, life is good. But to the average, like, what are you going to do? Who are you? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's that's it's for those listening. That's I would say that story right there. That's a majority of what happens for players that go play minor baseball. Maybe they get a taste of the big leagues. If you don't get that six plus years, ten years in the big leagues that's that's really the route and so I wanted to for you to share that story and I appreciate doing that no I mean I like look I I mean you know watching someone as great as Roy Halladay battle with that even when he was done and he's a hall of famer uh hit home for me because I was like god because at the time I'd always prided myself on being one of the mentally toughest guys or mentally tough players around and you know for a long time, my wife was like, maybe you should go talk to somebody. I was like, I don't need to talk to anybody. This is macho bravado. Like, dude, I'm fine. Like, I just, I'm trying to figure out who I am or what I need to do. And right. when there's survival mode, look, I'm a dad. I got to provide for my kids. I'm just going to battle and scrape and claw. And then, you know, it, it just kind of, it just was a battle as far. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get into, you know, some of these poor guys, man, with the drinking. I was never a big drinker, pill popping. I, I wasn't that guy, but. I can see very easily where a lot of these guys do that because you and I from very early age, this is what we were. Yeah. This is, this is what our identity was. You go back to Clemson university. People don't know Shane Monahan. They know Shane Monahan, the baseball player. Right. Go back to my hometown. Now know me as a person, but it's always baseball based. That's, that's what you're identifying. I was associated with that. Yeah. And I always used to tell my ex, it used to bother me. I was like, cause they don't know me and they don't know the success I've been in the corporate world. Yes, that was a huge part of my life, and it defined 
somewhat who I am, but it's not who I am. Yep. So, you know, um, I got into coaching, man, and it just fed my fire. Like it got me competitive. And I was like, you know, to the boys that want to make a run at this and they're competitive, I'm going to pour my heart and soul into you. And a uh, great program in Atlanta. We had a lot of kids sign. Um, and that was kind of like the adrenaline high I needed, man. I, kids are like, coach, I'm signing with them. I was like, yes. <laughs> draft day, I was like, mm. you know, or they give you the call, like, hey, and I, you know, uh, I was like, look, this is a great day. But this is where the work starts now, okay? The, everything up to this point was easy. This is where it now starts. Like, this is where your grind is going to start. Right. They were like, oh, yeah, I got it. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, it, it was a struggle for a while. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's cool that you're able to now, because I felt the same way. I, I was kind of bitter. I would say I was bitter when, when you get that last release. Or you you go home, you're like, well, now what? You know, now you're mad at the game. You're mad at baseball people. Like, what do they know? They're releasing me. They let me go. You're keeping that guy instead of me. You know, so all those thoughts go yeah. in, in your head, in your mind. And and then you're like, then, then you start getting kids involved, right? And wife, because you're now around 30 years old. And and it's a whole different ball game. And you kind of figure, I, I think I had my fourth kid. Uh, my wife was pregnant when I decided to hang him up myself, you know, and I was like, I was, I was going to go play independent ball again uh, for, for Johnson, the guy that you play for, Tim. Yeah. And uh, no, I'm not, it was a, it was a Butch, what was his name? Butch Hobson. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had signed to go play with him and about a, he's like, Hey, we report in like three weeks and that spring training was already done. I got released by the angels and I was like, okay, I'll go sign with him and with them. And, come home and about a week into my workouts so continuing to work out. And I had a shoulder issue going on. I'm like, what am I doing? Right. <laughs> what am I doing? You know? And, and it just kind of hit me all of a sudden. I'm like, you know, that's it. Like I'm done. So and it was hard. It was one of the hardest things to get over. And, and you're like, now what am I going to do? You know, I, I came out of high school, you know, I didn't, I don't have a college degree. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's and that, that's kind of what I tell kids like while you're playing whether it's high school, college, pro ball. Yeah, you're a baseball player, you're playing baseball, but it's not who you are. So Correct. as you as you go through this, like how are you going to identify with that? And, and and maybe you need to find that out right sooner rather than later. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> like, well said, dude. I can't. I, yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. So, so you're, you're coaching all these teams now. Um, what are you doing in your life now? Tell us about wife, kids, all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, single, um, my daughter's mingle ready. No, I'm not no. good at it. Okay. <laughs> single suits me fine right now. <laughs> um, my daughter is 20. She's at Grand Canyon university in Arizona. So she's a D one cheerleader. Oh, nice. Um, my son is 17 years old and they, they, both live in Arizona and he plays high school hockey. He's had a great high school career so far. Um, he is going to go the route probably of trade school. He's not interested in the big schools. Uh, I am a regional sales director for a radiant heating company. So I run a team of sales salesmen from um, Maryland through Florida, which we don't have a lot of radiant heat South of North Carolina. Uh, and then I do lessons and, and run these teams and, um, as we grow, I'll transition out of that regional sales position and just do full-time baseball. Um, cause 
that's my passion, like giving back to the kids and getting them prepared and letting them understand, like, you know, not trying to squash their dreams, but giving them the, hey, like you just said, listen, there's more to this than just baseball is this piece. You've got to have everything else yeah. uh, around you. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I fly out and go see my kids once a month. I take a long weekend, go hang out, watch them play sports. Um, that's better than anything I've ever, ever been able to accomplish professionally is seeing your daughter put in hours of work to get a scholarship and she gets an academic scholarship and a cheer scholarship and she's really good at what she does and she loves it. And you're like, dude, this is like better than any all American black ever. Yeah. Your son has a passion for hockey and he, he's really good and it's fun and you watch him and you're like, yeah, okay. This is <laughs> so much better than playing. And then, you know, I still got my competitive fire when I'm on the field. It, it keeps me going. And, um, it's always funny to hear my assistant coaches that played at a smaller school. They're like, you see the game so much faster than and I'm like, I'm five steps ahead of everybody else. Like I'm already. And they're like, I, I mean, that third base coach is thinking something and I'm already shouting it out before he even gives it. And he's like, like what? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's fun. Um, you know, I'm not a coddler when I coach, I, I push him hard. Like, mm. I tell them, hey, look, you think you can get here, but I can see you can get here. I'm pushing you to here. Right. Don't quit here. So, yeah, it stokes, stokes the fire, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's Good. fun. Bro. It's fun. I, my, my son's uh, going into his senior year, and I help out with his uh, CBA team that travels a little yeah. bit, just basically to Phoenix. And, but it's fun. It's fun getting back in the, the dugout and hearing them talk, you know, yeah. and hearing them tell their stories and how goofy they are. And, oh, yeah. It's fun different generation for sure for sure yeah they're 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 dabbing they're talking about what tiktoks they're gonna do later on (laughs) (laughs) things gotta be spun around man yeah it's crazy like what's going on yeah well shane this has been awesome man this has been very informative and and uh yeah you you had a great career a lot to be proud of there you know it sounds like you've been great with your family and and uh yeah man this is great hopefully we can uh come out to vegas let me know and yeah and likewise chad i i i have to tell you i i I thought coming up and playing against you and playing with you you were always i think the people need to know you were first class you always played the right way you handled everything the right way um i don't know how good i don't know if people know how good you were um but i will end with this funny story in 1995 i think you were the 10th pick right that's correct yeah I had a pre-cut deal signed already with the Pirates to be the 10th pick. No I, had already agreed, I had already agreed to a million dollars with the regional scout, the, really? the, the regional cross checker or whatever at the ACC tournament. So I'm like, dude, I'm a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> and then they called your name and I'm like, <laughs> who's, I'm like who's that guy? And here we are. We look like brothers. That's so funny. Like that's right? the stories I'm talking about right there. Dude, I, I, I literally the day of the draft, I'm like, wait a minute. Chad Hermison. Wait, they already said I already had a I already had a notoriety. Welcome to baseball. I should have known right there. Welcome to baseball. Right? Like how, how it can just change like that, right? Heartbeat, dude. In a heartbeat. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. So, um, I love that you're doing this. I I think it's great. I, I'm I'm totally honored that you thought of me to put on here. Absolutely. Because um, I'm totally different away from the field than I am on the field. So you now you got to kind of see the but uh, I think people need to know how how well you did it uh, and just the, the person that you are. So it's, it's been awesome.
Well, man, I appreciate that. That's, that's yeah. kind of you. That's cool. Absolutely. Well, let's definitely keep in touch. I, I scout Grand Canyon, so I'm there all the time. Do you ever come out to those games? I do. I do. I will, I will hit you up. Absolutely. For sure. Okay, awesome, man. man. Well, thanks for coming on board. We'll chat soon. Yeah, bro. You okay, got take it, care. Talk to you. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Shane. Shane is an awesome dude. Former teammate. We were drafted the same year. Had some experiences together throughout the Meyer Leagues. Man, that story, I did not know that he was going to also be picked 10th overall by the Pittsburgh Pirates, had a pre-deal going on. That's the kind of stories that I'm looking for on this channel. That was an amazing conversation. Thanks, Shane, for coming on board. And again, remember, I have an online membership course where you can go to mentaledge.training. We're going to be turning this into a video vault where you can watch videos at any time. You're going to have PDFs to download. And then I'll also be doing an online membership to where I'm going to be doing weekly Zoom calls where you can sign up as a member. I'm going to make it extremely affordable for you. And we can have some conversations one-on-one -on -one in this group chats type session. So hopefully you enjoyed this conversation with Shane. And if you want additional resources, go to mentaledge.training. Thanks for watching the show.